Boots and cats and boots and cats and boots and cats. PJ's podcast. Welcome to PJ's podcast. We're speaking of three <laughs> things that matter: politics, <coughs> Jesus, and sports. Monty, I caught you trying to run away there. Man, what was going I was, on? I was going to turn on a light, but then all of a sudden you started talking. So we'll just, we'll do it. Like go this. ahead. We'll take a second. No, go ahead. I, I like it. I like. I like. Are you sure we got soup. Justin's battery dying? Echoes and Monty trying to run out the screen, zooming in on his face. I mean, this it's is like a, a phenomenal it's a, start. It's an auto feature. I'm just going to turn it off, and then I, I go far away. It's, it's whatever. I love it. Let's do this. All right. All right. It's uh, Culture Wednesdays. We have our uh, physician on the payroll over here, Dr. Justin Mitchell. What's up, brother? Not much, fellas. When's Did you ever get that check coming? Did you ever get that haircut? Never. Yeah, man. I, We'll pay you in haircuts. How about that? I just got one. <laughs> I literally just got one. Yeah, it, it looks good. I can see the size. It yeah, looks man. good, bro. I'll just you can see the gray in there pretty well. See, you can't see it on the on the camera. Dude, you your your hair started to turn gray at about twenty five. It was astonishing. Yeah, how much gray you there. had. Yeah. Well, that was I mean, med school days. Yeah, not medical sleeping. school probably do that. Yeah, yeah. That, that'll that'll do it for sure. I remember visiting you when you were in med school and you were like a zombie like your eyes were Dude. red you could hardly talk I mean, it's ridiculous nuts man you feel guilty about taking a shower in med school because you don't feel like you have enough time too much shit to study i freaking i posted something on my shower wall so that i could study while i was in the shower <laughs> that sounds about right that's awesome i like that 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 sounds about right i mean it takes a special person to go through that much schooling. And then they, I feel like they jam pack about seven years of schooling into what, two years? Yeah, two years of classroom work and then two years in the hospital. Jeez, that's no fun. Well, so the reason we brought you on is we did a debate um, about a month ago on transgender with children, transing the kids and trans. Um, what do they call it? Um, uh, what can I think of it? Uh, gender affirming care was was go. basically the the topic, and I wanted to have you on just a to just review it, um, talk about it, and maybe correct some of the stuff that I said, correct some of the stuff that he said, and um, just kind of wanted to get your overall take on it. Okay. Um... Well, uh, you know, I think the, the two main things that I was getting, um, that I wanted to address, um, were, you know, basically the recommendations from the medical societies and kind of viewing those as, as gospel, uh, which they're not. Mm -hmm. And then just kind of the, the suicidality type of thing. Cause those are the two, I feel like the two main arguments that uh you know people that haven't necessarily taken the time to dive into everything you can sort of lean on those with um you know without a complete understanding and and if you, know, you, you sort of just take those things on their own without knowing the nuances of it it makes it seem like a pretty black and white issue when it's not um and uh i mean Really, I, I, I kind of wanted to talk about a, a book that I just uh, recently read, actually, 
a couple different books uh, that I read that I didn't think were going to be related to each other, but they had uh, a lot in common and I thought it was kind of interesting and I thought we could uh, we could learn some things from um, from particularly from the opioid epidemic, um, which uh, again, I, I didn't think it'd necessarily be real relevant when you talk about uh, transgender treatments and, and whatnot, but uh, I thought there were a lot of parallels and because uh, uh, I, I read this book, it's called Empire of Pain and, and uh, it's about Purdue Pharma. I don't know you, how familiar you guys are to with Purdue Pharma. I'm not familiar at all, but I'd love to, to talk about these things. I, I know about Purdue Pharma. Yeah, they're the they're the ones that. Uh, I mean, really, the thing that they're famous for now is, um, you know, producing, selling, marketing OxyContin, which basically yeah. was the napalm for the opioid epidemic. Mm -hmm. um, Wait, and, they're uh, they're the ones responsible for getting that stuff started. Yeah, they they started. Oxys. Yeah. Yeah, in large part. I mean, there's a there's a lot of stuff that went down there that uh, was really shady. That was basically all centered around profit, and it really fueled the opioid epidemic. Um, you know, I, when I was training, I kind of I I was trained sort of at an interesting time with regards to opioids because uh, by the time I started training, um, we started to had started to learn quite a bit about opioids, and uh, you know the way that I was. Um, was taught was that, you know, they were, they had their sort of their niche. They, they were, um, you know, for acute pain, they were good for stopping acute pain. And, and then for uh, people that were taking them longer term, it was for like uh, malignant pain. So um, cancers and things like that. And that they weren't really the best for treating um, chronic non-malignant pain. So just like chronic back pain and stuff like that, because, um, you know, your body, they get, it gets used to them. It makes your body makes changes to where, um, they're not as effective. And then you have to, you know, increase your dose. And then if you stopped taking them or you taper off or you stop taking, um, as much quickly, then, you know, you, you, know, you start to have withdrawals and things like that. And so basically by the time I was, I was training, we, we knew these things. And so, um, I didn't, plan on prescribing really any for chronic pain but when uh, i started seeing my own patients in residency I, I noticed that there were just tons of people on opioids for chronic pain that was not cancer pain i, I mean it seemed like you know at least a third or a quarter of the people i was seeing were on opioids for chronic pain and and that just kind of blew my mind i was like you know how in the world with what we know how are all these people on all these pain medications and so you know, I'd, I'd ask some of my attendings and, and older doctors that have been there for a little while, just kind of being like, you know, how did people get on these medications? Why are there so many? And basically they told me that, you know, all of the medical societies and pharmaceutical reps and, and um, the so-called experts on the subjects told them that this is what they're supposed to be doing for their patients. Um, and that, you know, the, uh, they were non-habit forming, um, non-addictive, uh, really no downsides, uh, and that they should be treating their patients' pain. And, and if they weren't treating their patients' pain, then, you know, they were doing their patients a disservice, um, and they weren't following what would have been considered best practice at that time. And so, you know, they, you know, doctors are busy. They kind of took uh, their, their word for it and 
started prescribing these things and obviously the patients really liked them and then got hooked on them and they kept prescribing them and uh so it just kind of started this whole uh epidemic and if you know anything about treating people that are on chronic pain medicine it's very difficult to get them off uh no one wants to get off of them you know they feel like shit when they try and get off of their pain medications and so we're you know it was just a big surge of patients getting on them and then you know new physicians like myself would inherit these patients and you know try and try and tell them hey you know this probably isn't the best thing for your chronic pain and no one wanted to hear it no one wanted to get off of it but uh so I, I heard about this book. It's called The Empire Pain. It's about Purdue Pharma, uh, about the uh, Sackler family. You guys ever heard of them? Uh-uh. Yeah. I yeah, Bill, yeah. Just Buku's a wealthy billionaire family. Um, actually, they, their, their, their fortune really started with Valium, which is a, uh, a benzodiazepine. That's kind of how they got the got things started. Um, and then, a couple, uh, you know, a couple of generations down the line, uh, they uh, produced oxycotton. Um, and yeah, really, what it comes down to—I won't get into the, the details because I could go on and on about that book—but they—they um, they basically wanted to maximize their profits from oxycotton. Um, you know, up until oxycotton, the opioids were used for um, either just acute pain for you know, surgeries, whatever, accidents, that, that kind of stuff. And, and then um, people that took them longer term were people that had cancer. So for malignant pain, uh, Oxycontin got around that and actually got approved by the FDA for non-malignant pain. So just, you know, everyday pain that people had. Um, and you think they, there's some shady deals going on there with oh, no, the FDA they're, they're and def- them? There definitely was. And, that, and that's what a lot of this, this book was about was how they got around um what would be the the normal um processes for getting a medication approved you know, basically they had some connections they paid some people um uh they you know they they were tight with a lot of people in the fda um they kind of they used this this um uh, this strategy to get it approved um which we'll we'll, we'll kind of talk about again when we talk about some of the, the puberty blockers it's basically they uh, they said that oxycontin was similar to uh, morphine and um, the only difference to oxycontin was that they had uh, put that cotton coating um, uh, to slow the release down and they'd actually used that coating prior uh, with something called ms cotton was basically morphine with a, a slow release um, mm. coating and they had gotten that approved for malignant pain um and so they kind of they argued that you know the medications that they were using um were already on the market had already been approved it was just in a different sort of package um and so they did just minimal studies on it they um, the people that did the studies were in their pocketbook as well and they never looked at uh any addictive principles or, or that uh, never did any tests to see if anybody would get dependent or or addicted on it. Um, they justified it that this slow release uh, mechanism that they created was going to um, make these pills non-addictive because you wouldn't have like the, the peaks and the troughs where people would, um, you know, 
take a uh, take a pill and then start having withdrawals a, f- a few hours later is supposed to you know last for 12 hours and so just with that reasoning they were able to get the fda to approve it um and and even in the leaflets for you know from the fda it said that it was you know not addictive just because it was slow release um and so once they got that approved for non-cancer pain then the floodgates opened um they started you know prescribing it and and you know the the thing that really put the fuel um in the gas tank was their um their marketing strategies man they just marketed the hell out of that thing um they sent uh, pharmaceutical reps everywhere in the country um just touting these you know their fda approval and and um you know basically telling doctors that uh yeah you need to be treating your your patient's pain uh you know if they're in pain that's not good for their health um and uh basically what the people that i had had asked when i was training um that's you know that's what they had told me and that's what uh, that's what uh, their pharmaceutical reps were out there pushing and they were getting um bonuses if they were you know the one of the top reps in their region or whatnot and um and you know it would it started to become apparent to people working in the company that, you know, that some doctors were just basically running Oxycontin clinics where they were just seeing patient patients and giving them the highest freaking 80 milligram tablets, which Oxycap, that is insane. Um, and that was like the first prescription they would write for someone. They wouldn't even start them on a low dose. They just, you know, have people waiting in huge lines just to get these in. Um, prescriptions without any medical need for them and you know what, uh, give me what rest. what year was that i'm sorry what what like give me a year a so, frame of um, reference here we're we're talking about um like late 80s 90s mostly early 2000s that type of time frame gotcha uh, yeah and um and so like in the 90s was when they were really pushing pushing this and um you know the 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 pharmaceutical reps were incentivized to find these types of doctors, keep seeking them out, and um, not sort of blow the whistle on it because they were just prescribing boatloads of oxycotton, and if they were in their region, they'd get you know special bonuses, special trips, things like that. And um, you know, eventually there there were people that were you know canaries in the coal mine, and and you know saying hey. Um, you know, I'm getting addicted to these things. Um, when I try and stop taking them, I'm having withdrawals. Um, there were tons of reports of people um, getting around that slow release uh, coating by like chewing the pills up or or dissolving the the uh, the coating on the outside and or injecting and stuff like that. Um, and you know, even people that worked within the company were starting to be a little bit um, weary about some of the um the, the advertising and the how they were looking the other way on doctors that they knew were diverting <laughs> this medication just prescribing it to whoever and you know within that company that all that stuff was was basically it was discouraged to, to bring those types of things up and um people were were punished for you know basically bringing up these issues and and uh you know eventually whenever there were 
you know, federal investigation into it. That's what they found is that there had, you know, the, the Purdue Pharma knew about all these things. They just kept pushing it aside and, and, um, um, penalizing and, uh, the people that were trying to bring that to their attention. Um, but, uh, Basically, that was the fuel to the fire of the opioid crisis, and all the medical communities were on board with it um, to begin with. Uh, you know, American Medical Association, all the all the different pain associations, all that kind of stuff. Um, they were all about it. Yeah, treat your you know treat your patients' pain. Use these opioids; they're not addictive. The the research showed that you know they're they're not going to be addictive. You're not going to get dependent on them and you know that's kind of where i started to see a lot of you know parallels when i was thinking about um the current treatments for uh you know using puberty blockers and things like that whenever i hear people saying you know well you know the american medical association and american academy of pediatrics and, and whatnot they they recommend these so who am i to um to think I'm any smarter than them as if, you know, if some medical society recommends something, then that's gospel, um, which it's not. They've, you know, I run down the list of things that uh, they've gotten wrong in the past. So you, you can't just be that simple. You can't just um, take a recommendation from some medical societies and say that, uh, you know, the debate is over just because that's what they recommend. And, uh, shoot even the you know the medical societies in other countries who've been doing this stuff longer are uh are changing and um and um they're they're not uh they're not a um for the affirmative care model they are pushing back on the affirmative care model so we're talking about places like uh, finland and sweden in the uk um, you know, Finland, Sweden, those Nordic countries, typically we think of them as being more progressive and, you know, they've had more time to, um, to treat these patients and, you know, the things that they're finding, they're starting to pump the brakes on a little bit. And so, um, even when someone says that, you know, our American medical societies are, are saying that this is the way to go. Well, you know, there's other medical societies that are in a disagreement with that so i don't think you can make an argument just simply that Amer uh, you know a medical society recommends something so that's what you got to do um so anyway uh i i uh, after i read that book i read another book about the tavistock clinic are you guys familiar with that at all it's a, a clinic in the uk um, actually a, a really well-known world-renowned uh, clinic, um, with, uh, psychology and counseling services funded by the, uh, the NHS and, uh, they developed a program called, called GIDS, so G-I-D-S, Gender Identity Development Service, um, started in like the eighties and, um, you know, <clears throat> initially it, uh, was not seeing that many people because it wasn't that common and you know, mostly it was boys um and uh, you know then with the with sort of the explosion of um you know trans identifying youth um things got a little bit out of hand there and uh, 
the the book that I read is called uh, Time to Think, and it kind of just went through how that uh, service was developed, and then kind of the changes that that took place as as more uh, kids and adolescents were coming through the doors, and uh, the you know the similarities between that and uh, Purdue Pharma were really pretty striking and difficult to ignore if if uh, you are willing to open your eyes and look at it. Um, you know, basically there were, you know, tons of kids coming in. The, the, the place was understaffed because of the huge surge in, um, you know, in trans identifying youth. And um, they were basically, they had a huge waiting list of kids to, to get into the clinic because uh, they couldn't see them fast enough. Um, and what ended up happening was the, you know, the number of visits that they would uh, be seen for um, gradually decreased so that they could move kids out of their um, their counseling service and basically um, move them to more of the, the pediatric uh, endocrine um, clinics where they would, you know, start on hormones and do all those kind of things. And, then they could get other kids seen that were in their waiting list. And, um, and then, you know, there were lots of people that were in that organization that were starting to be the canaries in the coal mine saying, Hey, you know, these kids are not being uh, screened adequately. They're, you know, there's lots of other complicated factors going on with them. Um, most of them had psychiatric issues when it comes to, you know, things like anxiety, depression, uh, abuse, trauma, those types of things that uh, were um, were more likely what their baseline core issue were. And it was just being, those things were kind of being pushed aside so that they could be, um, you know, started on hormone blockers and then eventually hormones. And, and um, so, um, you know, the, the psychologists, psychiatrists uh, that were working there were sort of trying to raise concerns and their concerns were basically ignored. And then they were sort of, um, you know, um, basically um, punished for being people that were um, raising those concerns. Um, <clears throat> and so it just kind of started to spiral more and more as more kids were were coming in and they, they couldn't handle it. Um, and what it, uh, the main crux of the issue that it come down to, uh, that most of their, um, counselors had an issue with was that, uh, they initially wanted to do lots of follow-up with these kids. And, and basically they were prescribing hormone blockers under a, um, a research model because you know they knew that there's not enough research out there there's not enough um data out there to know that these are um necessarily the right thing to give kids there just wasn't enough information on it and so if they were going to give puberty blockers they they needed to do it under the uh, umbrella of research so that they could follow follow the kids and see you know how they did after they got started on the hormone blockers and everything. And um, so they did that for a couple of years. And then their, you know, the demands for their job just got uh, 
too much and, and basically they stopped doing the research about what they did um, find in their few years of doing research was that um, of the kids that were prescribed puberty blockers, 98% of them went on to go on to cross sex hormones. Wow. And that's been, that's been replicated in a couple of other studies. Uh, actually the, the percentage in those other studies was a hundred percent. So, Jeez. um, what they were, what they were telling, um, their kids and their youth was, uh, you know, why don't you just get on these, you know, hormone blockers they are fully reversible. Um, and it'll give you time to kind of think about if this is what you want to do. Uh, we'll just pause your puberty so that you don't, you know, develop the secondary sex characteristics that you might not want in the future. And we'll just pause your puberty and uh, then you can think about it. And if you want to go on hormones, then, you know, you can go on hormones. If you don't want to, then, you know, we'll stop the puberty blockers. And what was actually going on was it was locking them into a pathway of getting onto cross-sex hormones. And then, you know, after that, possibly surgeries. Um, you know why that's the case they didn't know but the data was crystal clear that it wasn't giving kids time to think it was it was locking them in i mean virtually you know 100 percent of kids going on puberty blockers would eventually go on to hormones um and uh that was just sort of a punch in the gut to a lot of people that were working in that clinic like what are we doing here we're we are not giving accurate information to uh, the people that we're seeing because we're telling them that we're going to give them these hormone blockers in order to give them time to think um, and just explore their gender identity. But they were not exploring their gender identity. Um, there was no exploring going on at that time after you know they got put on those blockers. Uh, it was basically a guarantee that once you went on them, you were going to go on to, to hormones. Um, and so if you're not giving them accurate information when you before you start the hormone blockers then basically you're not giving someone informed consent so you know the, the idea behind informed consent before someone can agree to a treatment um is that you know one they have to be of the capability of being able to make a decision for themselves so you know, right there, kids and adolescents, um, yeah, they're, they're not prepared to make those type of decisions that are going to affect them for the rest of their lives. So, you know, that's one possible issue. And then the second issue is you're not properly informing them because if you're telling them that this is something that's going to give them time to think, um, and not telling them that, oh yeah, if, by the way, if you get on these hormone blockers, it's basically guaranteed you're going to go on to uh, cross-sex hormones, then that's not properly informing somebody. Um, and so that was a, that was the biggest issue that, uh, you know, a lot of people that were working there had was that, uh, you know, ethically you're not supposed to, you know, give treatments that are potentially harmful and life-changing without someone being fully informed of what those consequences are, um, you know, and again, those things were uh, kind of brushed aside by the people at the top and, um, and uh, that, uh, that caused some people that worked within the organization to um, reach out to outside um, sources and uh, to 
tell him what was going on. I, I don't, I'm hearing a lot of stuff rattling around. Sorry, I, my my mic is messing up a little bit, so I was trying to adjust it. My apologies. <laughs> is it really loud? Yeah, it's really loud. Yeah. Sorry. Can you hear my mic right now? Is it kind of muffling? No, you're fine. Yeah, you sound fine. You're, you're just when you play with that mic, that's all I can hear. My bad. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the, the essentially that was that was the bigger issue was that, uh, and I just I don't think that many people know about that, um, and I don't even know if a lot of people that are prescribing these medications will, will know about that, and um, you know that. Uh, Another sort of um, similarity that I'm seeing with with puberty blockers and and um, specifically when it, uh, with regards to opioids and oxycodone. So, you know, I said that kind of that oxycodone kind of did this little trick to get through the FDA, uh, where they um, basically said that you know they had studied these same medications but in different uh, forms and so they didn't really need to go through an extensive um, review process and they didn't need you know extensive studies and whatnot to get approved but um, you know puberty blockers that the the line that you'll hear constantly is that they are you know fully reversible and safe um, what they are basing that off of is um, is the data that we have from treating kids with something called precocious puberty. So that's when, you know, you're seven years old, eight years old, and you start um, showing that you're going through puberty and that's too early uh, for a kid to go through puberty. So um, they get, they put them on puberty blockers. And then when it's time for them, you know, an age appropriate time for them to start puberty, then they go off the puberty blockers and then their puberty, um, it takes place um, normally. And so in that regards, they are pretty safe and effective, but, you know, comparing those two is apples and oranges. I mean, for one, you're actively stopping someone's puberty from developing during a time in their life when it is natural for them to go through puberty and their brain is developing, uh, during puberty. And part of brain development is, is your hormones. Your sex hormones are you know, part of your brain development, so you're actively shutting down that part of your brain development, um, and you know that should be a time of of rapid bone growth and um, you know rapid um, sex characteristics, uh, and those things are just being blocked. Whereas you know with precocious puberty, you're basically just delaying the puberty to a time when it's supposed to happen for them. And then they're act, they're able to go through an entire cycle of puberty unencumbered. And so um, in that regards, we have pretty good data for precocious puberty that, you know, the, it is pretty safe. And in that regard, it's fully reversible. But, um, you know, trying to say that that data is applicable to um, teenagers that are of the age where they should be going through puberty is just it's bogus. Uh, you can't say that. And uh, you don't have the data to say that. There, 
you know, there are no long-term studies on the long-term effects of puberty blockers in adolescence um, for uh, gender dysphoria. They're just not. So um, if you hear someone touting that line, that's what they're referring to, and uh, that doesn't apply. So, I mean, basically what you're, what you're getting at is the defense of, well, the medical experts are saying that's what's best isn't a, a defense for this because you've just given us plenty of examples of, you know, why we can't just accept it and, you know, start moving on with this stuff, start, you know, dishing it out like candy. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's basically, you know, what I'm trying to say in a long winded way uh, is that just because the medical society says that uh, you should be doing something doesn't necessarily mean that that's the right thing. You know, I think overall, um, you know, I rely on um, medical society recommendations in my job. I, you know, I don't know everything. I know doctors know everything. We have to be able to, um, you know, rely on medical groups uh, that have combed through data and, and made recommendations. And, and I think overall they do a pretty good job. Um, but, you know, with something like this, it kind of sticks out like a sore thumb to someone who's used to, um, used to uh, using medical recommendations in their practice because the, you know, the data behind it is just so thin and um, you know, whereas normally there's a, a robust amount of data behind a medical recommendation. And so, you know, when you see something like this, it just kind of perks your antennas up like what's going on here. You should, you should have much more uh, data and research behind this claim that you're making. Um, and so, yeah, in this case, I, I think they've got it wrong with how aggressively they're um, pushing affirmative care and um, and hormone blockers in particular. I think that uh, the you know the the UK, Finland, Sweden, you know they've they've changed their practice, um, and uh, I think that hopefully the United States won't be too far behind. But you know we'll see about that. Yeah, I'm 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 definitely with you on that, and I'm sure people haven't fully investigated into you know, these things that you're talking about. Right. Um, yeah. but there, what goes to your point, there was a, uh, the pediatric association or the main pediatric people that do recommendations came out and said that babies are assigned, you know, genders at birth. Right. And that's a medical establishment that basically, you know, sets the, the boundaries and the rules of for pediatrics. And they're coming out and saying, you know, babies are not boy and girl. They're just assigned a gender by the physician. And well, it's not, a, yeah, it's not assigned. It's observed. Well, I mean, her. just, I, I can imagine somebody, yeah. you know, who's a physician and then the people that are supposed to be, you know, kind of putting out, uh, I don't know, not regulations, but the scientific recommendations. Data, yeah. Recommendation. Yeah. And then they're telling somebody who is a physician that can see a baby boy telling, you know, telling yeah. them that that's not a baby boy. It's got to well, be I mean, frustrating. Yeah, it is. And it just kind of goes to the point that um, these societies are being sort of infiltrated by some um, 
you know, some woke culture that uh, is clouding their judgment, in my opinion. I've start. I mean, I've I've seen it in my, my medical journals over the past few years. Um, just all the social justice sort of opinion columns and all this and, and that that I didn't used to see in my medical journals, and now I can pick one out of every single issue that I get, and I'm I'm talking about. You know um, the, the New England Journal of Medicine, and, and then JAMA, which is the Journal of the American Medical Association. So those are uh, the two uh, largest, most well-respected journals in the United States for medicine. And uh, you know they still do some good stuff. There's still some good studies in there um, that I want to be up to date on. But it really just every time I see that, I, I start to cringe a little bit. Just like, what are you know, what is this doing in a medical journal but yeah it's well, coming mean, wh wh where does the medical establishment go from here right i mean if if they're sending out recommendations that are you know incorrect and that's supposed to kind of help guide the medical establishment on let's say you know uh, pocs right um sops why did i say pocs sops <laughs> basically right their recommendations on how to treat things where does the medical establishment go from here? Is there another organization that you think is going to, you know, overtake those that actually, you know, cares about the science and the health and wealth of their patients? Or is this kind of just going to fade out? Oh, man, I really don't know. Um, I'd like to say I'm, I would hope it's going to get better, but <laughs> I, I think it's definitely going to get worse before it gets better. Hopefully it'll eventually get better but um yeah I, I am i'm seeing more and more of it and i really don't see it kind of slowing down anytime soon gotcha how much battery life you got left jay um probably not a lot let me see oh i got one percent <laughs> oh. i can hear you yeah, you said. You oh, I think uh -oh. I got him right uh -oh. before it went off. There, there it is. There it is. There it is. I got hey, it right as it, it went out. You, That's you heard hilarious. It, you heard it stutter a little bit, right? Like, like, oh, that it's coming. So it's coming. Funny. That, that is was so that's, freaking that's, funny. I mean, dude. talk about timing. That's perfect timing right there. Timing. Well, I'm sorry we didn't get to finish that uh, total conversation uh, with Justin, um, but it was a good one, man. That was a ton of knowledge. Oh yeah, yeah, absolute ton of knowledge. Yeah, he was he was definitely dropping some gems and dropping uh, knowledge um, on, on the, both those situations. I think it's kind of crazy, uh, and I wish he was still on because I wanted to ask him what you know he thought the driving force um, was behind, like you know the the gender affirming care kind of stuff. Because obviously, with the Purdue Pharma, you could obviously say like it was just profits. Like that company made hundreds of millions of billions of dollars pushing this oxycontin right and as people got addicted to it they just made more and more money um, and it's kind of crazy that you know he mentioned the sacklers and i was like the family that owned uh purdue pharma and they never even like um no one went to jail off of it um you know basically purdue pharma filed for bankruptcy and then part of it was that family just had to pay 4.5 billion dollars and then they were scot-free but they That's made it. But, but they they probably made you know ten times a hundred times as much selling that product that was you know you know that that started a you know an epidemic in our country so um, it's it's wild man so I I wanted to see like you know we kind of you kind of can pinpoint why oxycontin became oxycontin just because of the money behind it but um, on the flip side 
you know, what, what's the driving force, um, you know, behind, behind this other thing that's going on. Yeah. Yeah. I wish you would stay on. I had a question yeah. about a baseball movie <laughs> that I, <had. laughs> uh, no, seriously, next dude, I, I watched, I watched a movie. I know this is way off topic, but I, I really don't care because no. I, I watched, uh, I watched a baseball movie that I probably hadn't seen in, in years. What's it called? That's it. Years. Um, Bill Durham. Ooh, okay. Have you seen that movie? Uh, I have. Is it? It's about a minor league baseball, right? Yes. Yes, yeah. it is. Yeah, yes, I, I it have. Is. And I, I just, have seen it. I forgot how good of a movie that was. I mean, dude, it was like in the eighties. Like this is an old movie, so I mean, it's. Wait, did you like rewatch this recently? What, what made no, you? No, I was. What, I was in my hotel in Washington. Okay. And and, and I was just on... I was sitting there, and it came on. I was like, oh my gosh, I haven't watched this in forever. And when I turned it on, it was the scene where you had the pitcher and the catcher, and then the entire infield comes in, and mm. they're talking about like wedding gifts and a hex on his glove, and you know, then it pans to the coaches, and they're they're like, you know, making fun of all of them up there, and the head coach is like, you need to get your ass in there, and he comes <laughs> up and. <laughs> And he's like, well, what's going on, guys? And he's like, well, you know, first baseman's got a, a hex on his glove. We don't know what to get them for their wedding gift. You know, his <laughs> dad's there. You know, we're right. going through a lot of shit here. Yeah. And the, you know what I mean? Like, it was just, it's so funny because if you've ever been, uh, you know, a pitcher, when a lot of times when the catcher comes up, right, it's not necessarily to talk, you know, uh, the, what you're doing or technique. It's just more of a, you know, what's going on? You know, you need to calm down. You need, you know what I mean? Like, so you have, you actually have those types of conversations, right? right? You're you're putting the picture at ease, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, that, that's kind of what it is. I kind of wanted to get his take on it because I just, I I thought that was, you know, all all right. So uh, rate all time baseball movies. Let's go, let's go just top three. Does that thing make the the list? No, not not even close. Oh, come on. Are you kidding me? Oh, Boulder. Um, I mean, Major League has to be one, right? Uh, uh, the Sandlot has to be two. Uh, hmm, and you got to put what, the Field of Dreams probably in there. I mean, like that's my top three, not in any particular order. Top three. I wanted I mean, order, ma- except for I, I except for order. Okay, I, I okay, Major League, hundred percent one. Uh, I'll put Field of Dreams, uh, two. And oh, the Sandlot's so good. If you actually count that as a baseball movie, but I'll, I'll put the Sandlot three. Okay, I I, I like that. It's hard to put put you know Bill Durham in, in with those guys, right? Yeah, with that, with that. I mean, those are big name movies, right there. Bro, those those are heavy hitters, man. You know. Yeah, yeah, no, no, heavy I, hitters. I one hundred percent agree with you, and I I agree with two of them, right? Oh, uh, okay. I agree that Major Leagues in there and Sandlot's uh, yeah. in there. Right? Okay. But one of my favorite baseball movies is Moneyball. Okay, I think yep, that no. is a phenomenal, true baseball right. movie. I mean, the crazy right? thing is, yeah, it's based on a true story. So that's yeah, what that's, what, that's what I'm saying. And yeah. it has you know all the the big names in it, and it has the actual you know. I remember watching the A's as they were mm-hmm. going through that. Right. So I would say Major League, Sandlot, Moneyball. Mm. It's a good list. You know the the other two are probably you know Bill Durham and maybe uh, Angels in the Outfield, 
Ooh, Angels in the Outfield. That's good. Yeah. 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 I freaking yeah. love that movie. Maybe Rookie yeah. of the Year in there. I don't know. Oh, yeah. When they start like flapping their wings, you know, and they start doing. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. All right, sorry. Sidebar, sidebar there. Uh, back to the to the issue at hand. Um, I, I like this take. I agree with them that um, you know Stack uh, relied heavily on the medical establishment's recommendation for treating transgender kids. That was his mm-hmm. main argument. Uh, I, I agree with Justin that that's not a uh, nail in the coffin argument. You agree right. with that? Disagree? Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree, I agree with that. Um, but I mean, I think too, and he kind of mentioned it, like, you know, he, he, you know, Justin doesn't know everything, right? And so, and when he goes to another position, right, that, and they don't know anything, you know, what do they go back and refer to? I mean, they do go back and to refer to like, you know, to those, to those journals and those associations, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, but at the exact same time, like those two examples he gave us, like, um, medicine and, and, you know, science is always evolving. So even the stuff that they publish and they, that they come out with, especially when it's so new, right, um, it can tend to be wrong. And, uh, you know, as we learn more and there's long-term studies and things grow, you know, those recommendations can change. Um, you know, but like I said, the Purdue Pharma, I mean, those are people just flat out lying to pad their pockets, right? And, and you Make it that. away with it. Yeah, and they got away with, with it. it, right? And I mean, but so you hope that like th- that situation isn't happening again, right? Where you know these people are just making these recommendations um, for the betterment of them and not for the betterment of you know the general public. So um, you know you got to take it with a grain of salt. But at the exact same time, like these associations are out there to you know to help people and, and to you know be a resource to 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 physicians out there as well. So, um, but yeah, I, I definitely like like I like Justin's take, and I take you know, and it's so crazy because. You know, um, I'm on the rep side too, but you know, we, like we read, you know, journals and we read like I'm an orthopedics, but like you don't read just one, you know, journal article. You compare it to, you know, ten to fifty, right? And then through that, you kind of decipher what, you know, what direction you should go down to. So um, there needs to be more information out um, before you just, you know, rely on one article that can be skewed um, to point it, point in a certain direction. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. Well. That will uh, that'll finish up that conversation. Uh, we'll have Justin back on to maybe finish yeah. his conversation yeah. if he can when, he charge, his damn phone. when he charges charges his, his phone. He, he, he sat there and he said, go. "I got twenty percent." I was like, "Dude, go go freaking get a charger. Not that difficult." Right. You can't walk He's downstairs and get, and get a Mitchell charger. Stubbornness right there. Yeah. Yeah. You saw it yeah. in action. All yeah, of I've us s- have it. All of us I brothers s- have it. I, s- I see it every week. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> It's true. It's true. <laughs> uh, so let's get into just a little bit of politics and then uh, I'd like to uh, go over a little bit of, of sports with you. Um, but the main thing is, is DeSantis, he uh, he came out and said he's running for president. Uh, what's your thoughts? Uh, I mean, obviously, it's something that people have been waiting to hear for a very long time. And um, I think, you know, reviewing the people who have announced like a run for um, the Republican nominee, like a name like Ron DeSantis had to be meant, like he had to do it because uh, besides Trump, it was a bunch of nobodies, right? And sure, like some of them, like the more like we hear about them and see what they, you know, believe in, like they look great on paper, but but when you have a heavy, heavy hitter like Trump in there, like you're going to need a heavy hitter to go against them. And I think DeSantis is that guy. Um, and, you know, now that he's running, I mean, you're, you're going to see the, the polls just, just totally like go crazy and they're going to flip flop and, you know, um, 
I think Trump, I mean, Trump's going to have to come up with something big here. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I agree with you. Uh, everybody's been kind of waiting on it. And mm. uh, I'm glad he finally came out and, and said he was going to. Although I, I'm sure everybody kind of knew that that was what was going to happen anyways, right? Right. Um, but I, I think I think we're going to see a, a divide in the Republican Party, right? We're going to see okay. who's a Trumper, see who's a DeSantis. Um, I just, I, I think Trump has dug himself a hole with the way he's conducted himself over the last year, right? Mm-hmm. Ripping on uh, DeSantis in his own party. He's doing a great right. job running a state, still ripping on him, siding right. with the left-wing media, right? It, it just, I don't think it's been a good look for him. I don't think he's garnered more votes over the last year. I think he's pushed more people away. And, at, right. you know, as somebody who, you know, gives credit where, where credit's due, Trump Trump had a great four years, right? Yep. He really did. I, I've got to give him that. But the way DeSantis is running Florida, that's the guy I want running our country. And on top of that, you know, he, he won a, a, you know, a purple state, right? It goes blue, it goes red by 20 mm-hmm. points, yeah. right? That's, that's a huge, huge margin, right? That's a huge margin. And he also, you know, I, I read a stat today. There's a, the uh, residents of Florida, it's 52% white, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it's almost split down the middle of minority and, you know, whites down there. And he's garnering so many of those votes because he's, you know, actually being a good governor. And I think, I truly think we would be set up better under DeSantis than anybody else running. Uh, and I think DeSantis, the only thing that people are throwing at him is he's not personable. I'm, I, that's literally the only negative right. that but I've is, heard. Is, but is, is Trump personable? Like, I, 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 I think so. Again, Trump, Trump was able to connect with a lot of... Uh, homegrown people because he was personal right he would buy yeah. people dinner i heard a story of you know uh he pulled over helped the guy on the side of the road ended up paying off his mortgage right like he he is actually very very personable um hmm. but i i think he's also a, a, a narcissist and doesn't care about you know the entire country i think he cares about being president right right and and, and to me that's that's a um not somebody I, I want leading. Uh, I, I, you know, there's, there's definitely positives to having somebody like Trump in. I think he's kind of learned what to do, what not to do. Uh, I just fear that if Trump wins, Republicans aren't going to win because the hatred for Trump overtakes the, the dislike of what Joe Biden's doing right now. That's right. my biggest negative as of this moment. Yeah. So I yeah. come down to it. Who do you got winning the primary, DeSantis or Trump? Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm gonna have to. I'm personally gonna go to DeSantis as well. Um, if you look at the polls, like you know, um, you know, just just early voting and just early like just polls that they're taking. You know, both sides want fresh faces. No one wants to see uh, a, a Biden Trump runoff again. Um, and so just looking at those numbers, if those if those people stay true to their word, I mean, I don't think they're going to give Trump the votes anymore. Um, of course, he, he has his life songs to supporters that are always going to have his back. But I don't think that's enough anymore. And especially with a guy like DeSantis in the, in the running. So I agree with you. What do you think about uh, Tim Scott putting in his hat in the ring? I don't think it matters. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, what what's um, your overall take on Tim Scott? I mean, I mean, like, good guy, right? I mean, like, I don't see anything wrong with Tim Scott, right? But, 
I mean, I just think it's, uh, I mean, I don't know. Um, obviously like, you know, being an African-American, you know, obviously he's, he's, he'll push that to that, that side, you know, to be able to like, connect with, uh, you know, obviously the Democrats, um, and obviously a lot of the votes that, you know, are coming from South Carolina as well, you know, he, he's going to try to like be able to, you know, reach both sides and garner votes that way. Um, the only, you know, only problem I see here is like, just kind of like in the last election, I think the reason why Trump did get in because like the, that Republican field just got, there was just so many people, right. And it just got, and it got kind of diluted. Um, and I, so I, I mean, I think the less people that, that actually vote, um, the the better for guys like DeSantis. So, I mean, that, that's people that run, not vote. Sorry. That's people sure. that run as, um, you know, it's, it's just stronger for DeSantis, you know, cause you don't want to like people start spreading the votes, but the Trumpers will always vote for Trump. So, um, um, but yeah, but I mean, I think, you know, I mean, Tim Scott, I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't know how long he'll last, but like I said, he's, he's going to try to peel like he's, he is Republican, but right. But he's a minority as well. Um, he's kind of more, he's not far, 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 right. Like some of the other guys are, so he might get some sure. of that middle vote too. Um, but like I said, um, he, he has a long upward road, especially with DeSantis announcing that he's going to run. So. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how many people jump in now that DeSantis is there. I think Trump was really hoping a lot of people jumped in. Right. Yeah. So they could yeah. kind of, cause like you said, those who are going to dr- vote for Trump are going to vote for Trump. Right. right? That yeah. That's already set. So the more people that get in, right? The more of that other side, they're going to take votes from, right? They're going to split those votes. So I think Trump was saying, trying to get everybody to jump in. I mean, look at, look at, I mean, Trump was like, uh, congratulated Tim Scott of getting in and then just, you know, uh, tried to just started slinging stuff at DeSantis, (laughs) right? Like it's, I think he understands that DeSantis is a threat, right? That's a hundred percent what it is. He's, he's, he's trying to you know, basically put him down before he even gets started. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I like Tim, Tim Scott, right? Um, mm-hmm. I don't have anything uh, against him in, in the way he uh, votes and, and everything like that's been great. The only problem with Tim Scott is he's a, a single, ne- never married, no children, you know, at the right. age of like 52, 53, right? right? And, and somebody that doesn't have any children to me, I don't right. think is going to have a full understanding of the policies that affect children, you know, right. and he may, but... I don't know. Being a parent is is something that I think is is uh, uh, what I I look for because they can kind of understand uh, the difference between you know these people and my child, and I think mm. that helps maybe mold legislation a little bit different. But other than that, I mean, he's fine. Uh, mm. I don't, you know, the media tore up Ben Carson when when he jumped in. Right. You know what I mean? It didn't take yeah. but a month for them to start calling him an Uncle Tom. And I'm pretty sure one of them called him a uh, radical right-wing racist at one point. Um, but I don't think you're going to see that too much coming from the media against Tim Scott because they, they're all going to focus on DeSantis. Yeah. And, and this is where my conspiracy comes in, is that the media are going to push and, and try to almost embrace Trump because they want him to run so badly because they fear DeSantis. Right, for sure. Um, yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think, you know, the thing, I think the Ben Carson stuff, I think the mud started to fly, not when he was running for president, but when he when he uh, lost the presidency and then he's hard to side with with Trump, you know, and he got, yeah. he got in, in, into Trump's cabinet and stuff like that. And then that's when that's when the mud started to, started to uh, 
be thrown a little bit. Um, but like I said, to, and like you made a great point about being single, you know, even like if nothing else, it's that like this that public look, right? When you have your, you know, your your wife next to you and you have your kids and everyone's smiling, right? Like like you're the good home like American family, you know, that's like, you know, like it's crazy, but like a big thing for Trump is, you know, how supportive is Melania going to be about this? You know, like towards the end of his, his presidency, like she wasn't around, she wasn't in pictures, you know, and even, even now, like, you know, when he's been speaking, she hasn't been around much either, you know, and I, I think he really needs her to, to get on board with this too, if he's going to have any shot of, uh, of, of winning. I, I, I 100% agree with you, but also being, being married, um, it really grows you as a man right yeah. it teaches you yeah. to to uh put yourself second right mm-hmm. it's just different things like like that that i want to see in a leader and i'm not right. saying that that uh tim scott isn't that i'm just saying any man that's married any man that has kids it's just different it changes you in a better way and you look at the world and what's going around differently and he's never experienced that so uh, but again that's something very small i don't think he's going to make it anywhere so to me it's not yeah. that big of an issue <laughs> It's going to come yep. down to DeSantis. It's going to come down to Trump. I mean, CNN had Trump on, right? Oh, C- yeah. CNN had Trump on, right? Yeah. I, I mean, they are absolutely pushing, pushing Trump to win the nomination because they know yeah. that's their only way to win 2024. Right, right. And also, side note, before he ran for president, he, he was a Democrat. 100%. So like, I mean, he, he was. It, like people are all bored about like what he is and what he stood for, but you don't realize like he flip-flopped to become president. So, yeah. um, um, so you can't think, so he, obviously he has, he has ties to CNN even before um, he ran for president. And so, but, but you're right. I mean, they, they know that if, if Trump wins that the Democrats or that, that Biden um, has the best chance of being reelected. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's just the hatred for Trump just overtakes the dislike uh, for the Democrat party and Biden, you know, and yeah, yeah. I just, uh, I, I truly think there's something, there's something going on with DeSantis. It's almost like a, um, like a spiritual rise is kind of the way I'm looking at it right now. There's just something about him that is getting people to kind of circle around him, getting people that live in Florida Getting to, beating his opponent by twenty percent in a blue in a, a purple state is is phenomenal, and mm. you know me personally um, as a Christian as a spiritual man, I just feel kind of have that feeling about um, about DeSantis that it is some it, it's something bigger than just president right that and on top of that I believe I believe God still judges nations right and I believe maybe this is is the father trying to put us in the right direction uh, with DeSantis, right? I may be out in left field on this, but, you know, it just kind of feels that way. There's something special about him that, that I can't mm. put my finger on. But yeah. I, I I think he will win uh, the nomination. Trump is just, he's he's not garnering anybody. He, he garnered as many as he could, and it seems like he's just losing them now, you right. know, and it, so I don't think he's going to have enough to push him through. Maybe wrong on that, but that's kind of my my take right now. So we got DeSantis, Trump, Tim Scott, and Ramaswamy. Do we know anybody uh, else that's uh, got in? Who's uh, the, the woman that was on, that was in his cabinet? Oh, 
Yeah, I, I don't even know uh, Nikki Haley. Yeah, Nikki right. Haley. Yeah. yeah. I, I heard I heard she announced and then nothing since then. So I, I mean, don't think she she's going to be an issue. I think she gave a couple of speeches. I think she did like a, t- a town hall here and there. But yeah, I mean, obviously, like she hasn't done a, a whole a whole lot. Yeah. Oh, uh, what yeah, about what I'm about uh, what about Trump's vice president? Um, you think he's going to tr- try to run? Mike Pence? No. Yeah. You don't think he's going to do it? No, I, I don't think he will run. He's too attached to Trump. I mean, I there's possibility. I mm. I think he could garner some votes. Yeah, I don't think he, I don't think he could get enough. But honestly, my I feel like the Republican Party knows exactly what's going on. Yeah, and if if DeSantis wasn't in the picture, I think Mike Pence would would absolutely run, and it would make sense for him to run, and it would make sense for us to elect him. Mm. But DeSantis throws everything off, everything. Mm. Because all eyes are on him. The media has spent so much time trying to bash him that he's got name recognition now, just like Pence right. has name, uh, name recognition. Right. And I, I think the the strategy of trying to dogpile on DeSantis with all this mud has backfired. And all they've done is just given him a, nous- a household name and yeah. push him into the limelight. And he's done great, right? All, all eyes are on him, and he's freaking knocking it out of the ballpark. So I, I think it kind of backfired on him. Yeah. So there's nine nine uh, Republican uh, candidates so far. Do we know? Is there any other name that we would know? No. No. Um, uh, DeSantis, uh, Trump, Nikki Haley, and then uh, Ryan Binkley. He's a, a Dallas area businessman and non-denominational pastor. So I mean. Uh, Larry Edler, Edler, he was a former conservative media personality. That's uh, Larry Elder. Elder, I yeah. would vote for Larry Elder. Have would you, you really? have you ever, have you never, never uh, seen Larry Elder or anything that he does? I have not. No, he, he's phenomenal. He, he's really, really he actually had a radio show in mm-hmm. uh, California. He ran for governor in California. Um, I, I've always liked him. I haven't actually listen to any of his stuff in maybe a year or so but i did keep up with him when he was running for uh for governor so but i he would be somebody to look into right good. yeah okay he, he's, he's actually a really good candidate um, good conservative he is a big thomas soul fan i'm a huge thomas soul fan okay. quotes him all the time he's got a, a youtube page yeah that he does uh, a lot of speeches and different things like that so i didn't yeah. realize he was running for president yeah yeah he he's in um, as a Hutchinson is in, um, he's uh, obviously held public offices like his whole life by a U.S. Attorney Congressman. Um, he was the Bill Clinton Bill Clinton impeachment manager, so um, all that good stuff. Uh, Perry Johnson is running, and then obviously Ron Swamy and Tim Scott. Yep. Yeah, I, I wish uh, Ramaswamy would have a bigger name. I, I actually like him a lot. Yeah. I mean, I, I've, yeah, everything I've heard, like, you know, I've sat and listened to his, uh, you know, his interviews and stuff like that and what he believes in and what the kind of the changes he wants to make. And like, the guy has some great ideas. He's a sharp guy, man. So like I said, I mean, you know, I don't, obviously he's an unknown guy. He's not a politician. So I don't know how far he'll make it, but I mean, the guy has, has at least the money to stay in the race, but we'll, we'll see how many votes he can get. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think now that, like I've said, I, now that 
that uh, DeSantis jumped in. I don't think we're going to see too many other people get in. No, it's, um, it's a, I, I mean, it's a, I, I heard people bitching and moaning, like, why don't you wait your turn? You know, all these different things. And it's like, dude, you're out of town with that. <laughs> JFK. I mean, seriously, if you could do the job, do the damn job. Doesn't do matter. The, do the do the job. But yeah, it's, it's I definitely. Think he, a, I think you can do the job well. Yeah, I think so. Uh, it's definitely a two horse race right now. So, um, yeah, like you said, it's 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 Trump and it's uh, it's our guy from Florida. Um, oh, fun fact: uh, James Buchanan, the fifteenth president of the United States, is the only president uh, to be single. And he was single the whole time oh, he really? was in the White House. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So fun fact. If you ever, if you're, if you're ever on Jeopardy, you know, there you go. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> so uh, did you see what happened at the Nebraska State Capitol a couple days ago? I did not. What happened? Another ride inside of uh, a Capitol over uh, trans rights. So another insurrection um, by the left and nobody's saying a word about it. It's not That's the end I- of our democracy. It's not a terrible, awful thing. You know, it, it's just another example of the hypocrisy here. And if I'm, if I'm being like really looking at the people running for office, every mm. single person that went along with this January 6th deal, I would not vote for them. I don't care if they got a D or an R by their name. Because mm-hmm. over, you know, we've seen it in Tennessee. We've seen it in Nebraska. Those weren't bad at all. But January 6th is the worst thing in, in history because, you know, the, the right did that one. So the right does it once, the left has done it twice, and, you know, one side's okay, one side's not. And the hypocrisy is just getting out of control here. And I think it, it all those Republicans that were pushing this to say, you know, it's the worst and, and awful thing in history, they even compared it uh, to the biggest threat to our democracy since the Civil War, which is just the stupidest thing I've ever heard. They they need to not hold office, in my opinion, right? And, and the whole thing is, is is we've you know we've talked about this. What happened is not okay. January sixth is not okay. That should have never happened ever, and it shouldn't have happened in Tennessee. And it shouldn't have, uh, have happened in Nebraska. Right. But to say that it is the biggest threat to democracy since the Civil War is a crock of shit, right? And then Tennessee state capital gets overrun. Nebraska state capital gets overrun, and you know, it's okay. And I'm just, I'm tired of the hypocrisy. So what's your take on this Nebraska uh, Capitol riot? Uh, yeah, actually, like, like you said, no one's heard of it. And I, I hadn't, uh, I hadn't heard of it either. So, I mean, obviously, um, this would probably be the exact same uh, rant I had in Tennessee. Like you said, like you said, I mean, it's not okay, no matter where it is, no matter who's doing it, right? I mean, there's, there's a, there's a right or wrong way of going about it, you know, and, and obviously, like, I mean, it just blows my mind to make the the, the thought process people have that, like storming a capital, you know, um, you know, punching people, violence. You, like you actually think someone's gonna like get behind you, be like, "Yep, those are the people that like you know, like no one, no one's gonna." It, it's crazy. It reminds me of like when I was like back in my soccer days when I was playing sports and like the guys that were like get a foul called on them and they would yell at the referee, you know? And like, you ever think the referee's gonna be like, you know what? You're right. Let me, let I'm me. I'm going to change that. my mind. I'm going I'm to change my <laughs> mind. No, you know what? They're going to be like, yeah, I'm going to remember you. And you're going to get more fouls calling on you. Cause not only did you foul the person, then you just cuss the referee out. So like, 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 so like you're hurting, you're, you're hurting yourself in the long run. And this is what's going on here. Like if, I mean, if, if you want to stand up for something that you think is right, there's a right and wrong way of doing it. And like, and you know, and, 
it, protest, fine, make signs, peacefully stand outside the Capitol, sing, chant, yell. At, but like once you like you're making your way in, once you're you know you're showing violence, you know you're like you're punching people, like then you're sending the wrong message, and and your message is not going to be properly con- like portrayed the way you want it to because all people are going to see is is the the violent acts and the, the crazy stuff that that you're doing you know so it's like obviously like, like i'm pulling it up now like there's some videos where like a peace officer got punched and blah yep. blah blah but i mean i like, see like that's that's what's making the news not not the the cause that you're fighting for so i mean yep. it has it has to stop and they, they have to find a, a better way of you know getting their point across so i mean no matter what side you're on no matter what you're doing like it's it's dumb and it's wrong yep yep i I agree with you no matter which side does it it, it's not okay but you know you got to call it both ways or you know it's not gonna matter i i think i mean january 6th garnered so much attention because it was like the nation's capital right um it was the white it was the white house and so i think that's why it kind of like trumped everything else because i mean i i will never go to nebraska ever in my life so i don't don't even know where (laughs) Just kidding. I've been in Nebraska. Love you guys. Let's go Cornhuskers, whatever. What, uh, uh, what's the name of that, that city that you said where it's like the most racist city in all of the United States? What is that? Uh, no, it's in Arkansas, right? Oh, in Arkansas. Yeah, Not it's in Arkansas. Okay. I'm no, sorry, Nebraska. To yeah. That see, with you. see, send, send the hate comments to him. Don't send it to me. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Well, that's uh that's it on the political side um not much else going on debt ceiling is uh still under negotiation uh, biden's flip-flopped on that a couple times and uh once we figure out exactly what's going to go on there uh we'll discuss it. it it is something that is is day-to-day and we'll keep an eye on it um desantis is in in the race and we mm-hmm. wish him the best of luck i know he's uh as of right now he's my front runner and um We'll see what takes place, but let's yeah. uh, let's talk about some sports. I mean, obviously, not much has gone on since the last time we talked about. Um, you know, there's a lot of baseball going on, and as as things start to heat up and teams kind of start to separate, um, we'll talk a little bit more about that. I think the crazy thing is um, um, the Florida Panthers. It's really really hard for me to say this for a hockey team. Uh, I know, every time so, you say that, you slow down. I Florida slow down. Panthers because because it's not right. Like it's. I mean, we're, we're talking hockey, and I'm gonna check about yourself. I was like, am I talking about the right sport, the right team? What's going on? But the Florida Panthers beat the Carolina Hurricanes four to three tonight. They swept the series swept in the Eastern them. Final. It's crazy. So Florida Panthers they scored with four point nine seconds left on the clock uh, to to win this. So they they made it dramatic. Um, it was a great goal, dude. This playoff has but been crazy. Everything's coming down to the wire. It's been a, it's a coming, phenomenal. It's phenomenal series. Right, it's coming down to the wire, like like and like you said, even with the Miami Heat, uh, these teams like weren't even in the picture during the season. You know, they were the eight seed, eight seed last last seed um, coming into the playoffs, and, and here they are like sweeping teams, right? So like it's it's wild, mm-hmm. and I mean it just goes to show once you get in, um, you know, any anything can happen. Um, the Celtics did win a game uh, last night. Uh, they finally yes, they got got one on the Heat. So uh, obviously it was in Boston, so that definitely helps. But uh, Miami. Um, uh, are now down three. Oh, sorry, Miami's up three to one. See, like they're so bad. I was like, oh, they're down, but, uh, but <laughs> they've been proving me wrong. They've been proving our us wrong. I guess you know the entire playoffs. Miami's up three one. Uh, they, they play again in Boston on Thursday uh, tomorrow night. So we'll we'll see if they can ice it or or if we got a series on our hands. What, what do you think? Do you think Boston has a legitimate shot of making a uh, making a run at this, or you think this is over? 
Well, they, they go back to Boston. I mean, you can't count them out, right? And I, I know I've said this every freaking series when it comes to the Heat. I, I know, I, mean, I know. You think, I can, you hear, think I can Boston, hear the comments coming in as I speak. You think Boston can win wrong. four games in a row? I Well, I do believe they can, right? Because, I mean, you got to think, they go back to Boston, game five, right? They, they wallop the Heat. Oh, they, yeah. they spanked them. Right. Mm-hmm. And if they go back to Boston and spank them again, I I think it's a toss up because then, then game, you know, game seven's in Boston. Yeah. Right. So two out of the three are, are going to be on their home court and the heat walloped them on their home court mm-hmm. first two games. And I do not think they're going to do, let them do that again. Mm-hmm. But I think it comes down to this next game. If Celtics, if Celtics can can really put them in their place, I, I think they have a shot to go four straight games. If Celtics mm. don't perform that well, squeak out a win, they go back to Miami and Miami closes it, you know, in game six. Yeah. But it, it's for me, it's just hard to count out the Celtics as of right now. I, I just think they're a very good team. And I think that, you know, the Heat has proved me wrong, but we're, we're pretty deep in the playoffs here. They have one really good player that's basically carrying them through. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how many games he can perform at such a high level. And, you know, I, I just, I, I can't, I can't count Celtics out just yet. What, what's your yeah. thoughts? Man, I, it's, it's tough, man. I, like you said, Celtics are stacked. They had a, a great season, right? I mean, they proved that they belong, They were a legitimate second seed. They could have been even the one seed in some games kind of went um, a different way. I, I think the Celtics at home are totally fine. You know, what's game six at Miami, that, that's going to be the decider for me. Um, and I, I, I don't know. I don't know if the Celtics can can do it. You know, Jimmy Jimmy Butler is so hot right now. And obviously, it's, it's going to depend on. So hot right now. So hot right now. Pause. Um, <laughs> it's gonna. I mean, but it depends if he if he can keep that up, right? But that Miami crowd's gonna cheer him on. Um, but I but I do I do think that last Celtics loss when they they basically waved the white flag and sat all their starters for the fourth quarter. And I mean, I think going back into that locker room, I think that coach gave me earful. Jason Tatum gave me earful. I think those guys, you know, smart Marcus Smart, like I mean, those guys don't they're not used to losing, especially like that. And so I, I think they're rededicated and they're going to, they're going to make a run out of it. But if they, I don't know if they can win. Well, it's three in a row now, but I don't know if they can beat Miami at Miami. It's kind of crazy. I just pulled up um, during the regular season, they played four times and they actually split to get two games to two. So, yeah. um, so, and, and, and they were all pretty relatively close games. Miami won January 24th, 98, 95 Celtics won November 30th, 134, 121. Miami won December 2nd in overtime, 121-16. And then the Celtics won in October, 111-104. So I mean, if you look at it, they, I mean, they're, they I guess they, Miami just matches up with Celtics really well. And you know, they're yeah. going to give them a hard time. So I say all this to say that I've dogged on Miami for, through the entire season, through the entire playoffs. I'm finally going to give them their flowers, bro. I'm going to say they're going to win. Okay. Okay. I, I like that. I mean, I think, I think you're the odds are on your side, right? Right. right. Not a lot of teams have been able to, well, uh, to take four games in a row other than when they play the Oklahoma city thunder, if it was a thunder, it'd be a guarantee four games guarantee. in a row. Guarantee. I just, I, just, thunder. I just hit him with the PJ's curse though. So, you know, you know, what's going to happen. Ooh, I know that PJ's <laughs> curse still active. Still active. Real. After the game, LeBron was, uh, 
you know, getting asked the questions, are you going to keep going? Um, and I know we've kind of talked about this a couple times, but you, you think LeBron's going to keep going until Bronny gets there? He's going to try, bro. If his body holds up, um, obviously, like, I mean, he doesn't like losing either. If, if you know, they can get him a couple pieces around him that, that makes them a, a legitimate contender for, you know, you know, to go down as the best ever. I think part of it, you know, he doesn't want to tarnish his legacy, right? Um, you know, it's easy when you can say, you know, Michael, you know, never lost in an NBA championship, right? Where LeBron actually has a, a losing record in, in the NBA championship. There's a lot of comparatives and like, and especially going out, you know, Michael, Michael never had a team that was below 500. Are you kidding me? And then, you yeah. know, this, this season and next season doesn't look any better. Like he, he's going to look at his legacy one, uh, his body two. But I think him, his desire to play with his son is, is pretty is pretty intense. And so he might not be back with the Lakers, but I definitely think he's going to come back. And all this crap, it's like, I got to go back and reflect, blah, blah, blah. I think it's all drama. You know, when he did a decision on live TV about going to the Miami Heat, dude, he's all about, you know, just being relevant. Lo- and, and, loves that spotlight, baby. Yeah, he, yeah. It was, it was, I love me some me, little T.O. action. Yeah, yep. He loves him. LeBron loves him with some LeBron, bro. So I, I think he's definitely going to come back. Um, he, he's just, you know, you know, just, just dragging it out a little bit. What do you, what do you yeah. think? I, I agree with you. I mean, after the game, he said, uh, you know, he has to think about if he, um, if I want to continue to play reporter mm-hmm. said, uh, as in next year, he said, yeah. And reporter again said, uh, you want to walk away? He said, I, I got to think about it. Right. I don't, I don't think about anything, right? He's, he's coming back no matter what he wants to play with his son. He said he mm-hmm. has been one play with the sun. I think he's doing this just so the LA fans um, kind of show some love after a, a sweep from the Nuggets, right? right. Um, I mean, they didn't even come close. The Nuggets just dominated them. Uh, kudos to Denver. It's the first trip to a finals. You know, well done. I think they'll uh, they'll go on and, and win the championship. Yeah, they're but so good, man. They, I mean, they they really are. But I, I think LeBron's gonna gonna continue until Bronny gets there, maybe get a couple of years uh, with Bronny and then, then he'll be off. So, um, yeah. I'll That's say this. If, if, if Denver does not win the NBA championship, they're, they're going to be on conspiracy Wednesdays because absolutely someone rigged it. Someone cheated. Something happened for if they don't, if they don't win, they, they're just so dominant, man. So um, I, I thought the West was was better than the East all year long, and what what they've been able to do in the West has been pretty pretty you know remarkable. So, but I, I think yeah. But going back to LeBron, I think his desire to play with his son, even if it's just one year, if if he can if he can play one year with his son, just just to have that moment, you know, I, I think I think he'll give up anything to do it. I, I agree with you. Uh, I agree with you. Well, um, a little bit of baseball here. The Tampa Bay Rays have the best record in the MLB right now. And we kind of touched on them at the beginning of the year. Yeah. They made that undefeated I mean, run, right? Streak. Yeah. And, and I, I didn't know if it was going to continue. They really didn't have anybody that I knew of. Um, I, I really couldn't, couldn't tell you who was in, in their bullpen, but <laughs> they're crushing it right now. Oh yeah. Absolutely oh, yeah. crushing it. Uh, 36 and 15. That's um, crazy. As of this moment. And I mean, the closest team to them is in their own division, which is the Orioles. So they're 32 and 17. Yeah, really nobody are, else is yeah. there. Rangers are there at 31 and 18. Atlanta's 30 and 19. Yeah. Um, and then the Dodgers are 31 and 20. So yeah. speaking of the Dodgers, have you seen what's been going on here? Yeah, I've I've caught I caught a little, little wind of it for sure. I mean, it, this is an issue. I mean, this this is absolute issue for the Dodgers. 
right? Because they, I mean, the group that they are saying is allowed to come in is basically a satanic group. I mean, they they slap, uh, you know, the Catholic faith in the face. Mm. And there's a lot of Hispanics down there that are mm-hmm. Catholic. Oh, yeah. And they do not like them whatsoever. And I thought <laughs> L.A. was was correct in de-inviting them. I mean, I don't like the whole thing anyways. But right. I think they were correct in saying you guys aren't allowed to come here. Uh, coach, the head coach is a, a very devout Christian. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's going to work in their favor by no, caving and inviting them again. Right. So, I mean, it, it, it's going to be interesting for sure. But I, I think there's going to definitely be some pushback yeah. um, on this whole scenario. I mean, I think if, if you look at like, you know, the L.A. Dodgers, even like in the city of L.A., like, you know, most of their fans, a lot of their fans, you know, are, like I said, are from, you know, they're Mexican, right? You know, and um, and, and most Mexicans in L.A. are like are very heavy Catholics. So like, you know, to kind of to kind of throw this in their face, I mean, they're, they're going to lose a, lose a lot of viewerships, they're going to lose a lot of fans. And uh, this is going to come back to backfire them, you know, um, and, and hopefully you know, they'll, they'll change their mind again, you know, hopefully they'll send out a, a true heartfelt apology um, and, and not, not go, you know, go with this because um, it's just, it's just not, it's just not a good look. So. I agree with you. I mean, when, when are these people going to learn? I mean, we're, we're in the, the world now. I think that the whole Bud Light thing, I think the whole Bud Light, my honest opinion, the Bud Light thing changed. It changed everything. It, it changed the movement, the woke movement, because it was the first time that a company did something that was woke and got slapped in the face for it. Mm. it it's truly the first time. And I think a lot of people were like, oh, my goodness, like we actually have power here. Like we actually can can stop buying things from these companies that we don't support. And I think it changed. I think companies are now going to have to take the backlash from the right into consideration when they do things like this. And hopefully this starts the movement of corporations and baseball teams to get the hell out of politics and stay neutral. Hopefully this will will help it, you know, that that movement help companies everything I just said go back to the mineral of just staying the hell out of it and just selling products or playing a sport without getting all of this stuff involved in entangled, you know, because on top of what it does to just the Dodgers brand name is now you get the players involved, right? Because now the players have to be a part of this stuff. It it involves a lot more people and it puts a lot more uh, people in the spotlight to either agree or disagree with what's going on. And I know those players feel pressure to just kind of kowtow to this and not stand up because they don't want to get the backlash. But I'm thinking that the Bud Light thing may have given those people who disagree with this stuff a little bit more confidence. Yeah. Yeah, I I, don't, I definitely agree with that, but, and I but I think this is like a step further, right? Because we talk about the Bud Light thing, and you know that, that was just you know give it into the trans movement, but also just catering to, um, they got outside of their demographic. That's not their fan base. That's, that's not the people who buy Bud Light, right? And so you, but like, this is, this goes even deeper when like this group, you know, you know, they, they're anti 
a, a, a sector of the Christian religion, right? When you, when you, when you go that far and you're going against, you know, Catholics, you're, you're, you're denouncing, you know, a sector of the Christian religion. That's, that's, that's even a step further than, than, you know, the Bud Light thing to me, this is a lot worse. And like you said, there's the managers, there's players in that, you know, on that Dodgers team and that Dodgers organization. What are you saying to those people when you're, when you're inviting people that are openly against what they believe in, in, in those doors, right? Um, it, it'd be hard for me, obviously, like they make a lot of money, you know, and, and that's why they're there, but it'd be hard for me to continue to play and support that organization um, after they, they do something like that. And I, I'm like, I'm taking like the LGBTQ plus and trans thing out of it just, and just straight on religion. When you're hating on, you know, Christianity or a form of Christianity, like that's, that's, a, that's a bigger problem for me. Yeah, I, I agree with you. 100%. It's, it's about, you know, the religious side of it for me, also, you know, the trans thing, you know, whatever, but it's more, it, it's more, you know, and, and we've talked about this, right, you know, 60, high 60s per, percent of the United States is Christian, and you're going to put somebody on the field who is making a mockery of it. Mm. It's gonna piss off a lot of people. It really right. is. And I do not know why you would cater um, to, to that type of thing. I get it. You're in L.A. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that support that, but also know your demographics. There's right. a lot of Catholics, a lot of Catholics out there. And I don't think they're they're going to support something like this. So I, I thought they did the right thing by disinviting them. And then they turn around and invite them. Again. And it <laughs> right. just... I don't understand it, but I mean, as, as somebody, you know, as I speak for myself, somebody who, you know, isn't going to stand for this stuff. I, I think the, but the Bud Light thing for me was empowering to show that you can have a, a group that, you know, will stand, stand up for what is right and correct and actually make it hurt their pocketbook because that's what it's going to take to get these people out of this you know, this realm, because again, my thing is, is you shouldn't be in this sphere, right? You should either play a sport and be a form of entertainment and not a political, you know, post for these people. Same with products, like just sell your product. Don't try to push an agenda on, on the people that are trying to drink your beer. Pretty mm -hmm. simple. And we have to, you know, get their pocketbooks for them to listen. And I, I think, and I also think that, that it has given, uh, people a little bit of momentum to stand up for what they believe in without uh, getting so much of the backlash. And that's something I've kind of noticed in the last six months are people are becoming more vocal about standing against these things. And they're, they're becoming uh, feeling like they can actually speak their mind without getting canceled or, you know, just getting completely deplatformed. Although it's mm. still going on. I just see more and more people, in the public light that are coming out and speaking their mind, which is a very mm. good thing. There's a guy, uh, Billboard Chris is his name. I don't really watch any of his videos, but it's basically a guy with a billboard that says something like, children shouldn't get puberty blockers. And it used to be that this guy would go out into the public with this sign, you know, children shouldn't take puberty blockers. And People would just, you know, throw drinks at him and it was all negative conversations. And now he's having more and more positive conversations with mm -hmm. people. So I think the the ship is turning 
from insanity to somewhat sanity. It's still going to take a lot of time, but I've just noticed that there's less and less and less of this just dominant force from the far left that it's maybe starting to swing back to the middle a little bit. I may be going out of the limb there a little bit too early, but yeah, I, I can see it start to starting to change a little bit. Yeah. Am I, no, am I uh, out on a limb here? No, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Um, I mean, I think, I think there's still like a, a long ways to go before you get back into. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and I, I still, and I, I even think like there's going to be even some. It's, it's going to be some shifts even back before it comes back towards the middle. Um, you know, as as uh, groups like this, which is like, what what's this? What's the group name? Like like these groups as they continue to push back and they'll push even Sisters harder, of, right? Some, I something in uh, something indulgence or something like that. I was like, yeah, it's like like anyone could just make up a group and and you know and say and say that there's something these days. Like like it blows my mind. So, um, but like my thing is we just can't give these people a voice, right? And and, yeah. and doing doing something like this, like in Dodger Stadium, like you know you're you're giving them a voice and and you're giving them some kind of validation um like like they're doing the right thing and that they belong and they should that they should be there which 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 is not right in my opinion um and like i said like i like for all the people that already hate on us for our trans talk like this has nothing to do with like you know the lgbtq plus mm -hmm. side of things this is this is strictly from like just a religion point of view for me so um and and, and i get it they're going to say like they do it because of what the catholics say about them but exact same thing is like um it's i mean you know we shouldn't fight fire with fire i guess but um but yeah it's, it's just not a good look yeah yeah I, i'm i'm with you 100 there well that that is it for for the show we got it done in an hour and 38 minutes not too bad it would have been longer if justin's phone wouldn't have died but i thought i thought we we're doing pretty good there so uh we'll try to come back on on friday and have some more conversation about politics jesus and sports if you like this content please like and subscribe on any social media platform other than tiktok because we do not support tiktok but <laughs> give us a like give us a subscribe that would uh, help us out greatly other than that monty i love you brother i'll see you in a couple days love you man let's get it